This is episode 38 of the Kindred Bomb podcast. I'm your host, Emily Sue Allen. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm really glad to be bringing you a show about how every screen tells a story in our homes. It's kind of a conversation around screen time and the choices that we make in our families and how that impacts our relationships as a family. The first segment features Lynn Patty and Jennifer Van Winkle, and we talk about what this looks like in our own homes. And secondly, we have a special guest on, Christy Thomas, who's a mama of three, a writer, and someone who's really knowledgeable about this topic. really glad to talk with her about her thoughts about helping kids develop an internal filter to be able to discern for themselves what might be good or not good for them to watch when they are on a screen. One of the things that we as a team worked on this month to offer our email subscribers was a list of over a hundred screen time options for kids that have passed the mom test. We wanna offer that to you. And if you are interested in getting a copy of it, there's actually closer to 140 resources that we pulled together that are divided up by age and give you ideas for what might be appropriate for where your kids are at. You can go to kindredmom.com slash subscribe and we'll give you access to our resources resource library with that and several other resources. Let's jump into the conversation. I'm really excited to begin this new episode with Lynn Patty and Jennifer Van Winkle, and we are going to be talking about how every screen has a story. And that is my little like inroad to talking about screens in our homes. And I think this has a huge bearing on the way our family culture develops. So that's why we're going to talk about it today. So thanks for being here, ladies. I'm very excited for this conversation. This is good. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, I think it's one of those topics that is just so applicable to where many families are these days, because at least in my childhood, we did have a TV, but we didn't have tablets. We didn't have personal computers. We didn't have so many screens at our disposal. And so I think, you know, this generation of parents is the first generation of parents to really have to Mm -hmm. deal with this in such a pervasive everyday kind of way. So I'd love to just begin by talking about what our own homes are like with respect to screen use. Well, we don't have a television. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're kind of a weird family. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have a television. We have uh, laptops are the computers that we have in our house. And so mm-hmm. whenever my children are subjected to a screen, it's a laptop screen mm-hmm. and it's a parent's laptop. They don't have any screens of their own and we don't have mm-hmm. any other tablet devices. Parents have smartphones, mm-hmm. but um, that's really it. We're kind of a funky family when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to screens. I don't think it's funky. It's mm-hmm. just a choice that you guys have made. And I know you have really good reasons for that. Yeah. I mean, we, it's more or less trying to streamline what we, what we have. And like you, Emily, when I grew up, I, I had a TV, didn't have a personal computer, anything like that in our home until I was in high school. So, but the TV was on all the time. And it's, it's interesting. Like when I go visit my parents' home, the TV is on for noise and, and that ambient, like other presence. (laughs) It's really interesting because I remember that to be always the case when I was growing up, the TV was always on Mm -hmm. and more or less 
like to fill the void of empty space. So we just made that choice to not to not do that for our family. We don't need that extra noise. Our lives are noisy enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. For us, the Patty family, I feel like I just should say, I'm, hi, my name is Lynn Patty and I'm a screen addict. <laughs> um, we do have screens. We have a, just basically one TV that str- we have streaming abilities mm-hmm. on Apple TV. My husband and I both have phones. Up until just a few weeks ago, each child did have an iPad, but they were only accessed when we allowed them. Mm-hmm. And as of right now, they are away for the past two and a half weeks. Two, yeah. Is it been that long? So we are making some pretty radical changes over here as it relates to screens. Nice. Yeah, we are kind of a high tech family because my husband is in tech and he likes gadgets, which has kind of trickled down to the rest of us. And I do most of my creative work on a computer. So mine is open almost all the time. And my kids all have interests in different things related to coding or video editing or obviously video games and that sort of thing. So I'm coming from a high screen perspective (laughs) over here. Uh And I mostly just wanted us to share a little bit about that so that as we talk about this subject that people kind of know where we're coming from, that this isn't like we all live in the woods and nobody has a TV or, you know, <laughs> or that we're all the same because we're not all the same, even though uh, we each have our own different level of screen use in our families. But I know that for me, having screens around really has an impact on what our family is like. And there are times where it can be really positive impact and times that it can be a really negative impact. For instance, mm-hmm. when I have a couple of children who are particularly drawn to using screens, And if they have too much time, too much access, their attitudes just tank completely. Uh, They're not mm. fun to be around. They're not able to really regulate themselves anymore. And so I have really changed my tune over the years. I used to be a lot more open-ended about what our policy was. And now I'm a lot more strict, I would say, even though we have a lot of things available in the house. Mm -hmm. So if we could talk about the challenges that we have each encountered with our screen use in-home and how that has impacted what our family dynamics are like, I would love for you guys to give your thoughts about that. So I've noticed with my children that there, I have one child who's a bit more anxious than the others mm-hmm. uh, in general. Mm-hmm. And I have noticed that as it relates to screens, when he knows that the screen time is coming, mm-hmm. he will become more anxious about it. When is it going to happen? What time on that day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, how long will we have? And so by us taking the the iPads completely away, that mm-hmm. has totally disappeared. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. He doesn't ask about it. He doesn't ask. He doesn't count down the minutes. He doesn't mm-hmm. plan out what he's going to do because he can't, it's not available. Yeah. So that's wow. been really interesting to see his anxiety levels overall really go down. So what you were saying, Emily, about attitudes and how attitudes shift and change, I've seen a lot of difference in my kids. And I don't want to make this like, well, my family has done this big change. Whatever. This is just what's going on in our family right now. Yeah. Our, you know, our current temporary kind of situation mm-hmm. is almost an experiment to see 
how our family culture will change if the kids aren't on screen so much. Yes. Well, and I wanted to just mention before we get too much further in this episode that this is a subject that can feel kind of sensitive because many moms, myself included, have felt really defensive about our choices in our family and how that might be different than someone else's. And this is not something that I am wanting anybody to be judgmental over or to feel judged for their own choices as much as I just know that there are not a lot of resources about how families can navigate this. And I just think it's a conversation that's very needed. I'm looking for guidance. I'm looking for wisdom. I'm looking for what's working and not working because I don't have a lot of models to look to for this is how you navigate this. So that's mostly why we wanted to cover this topic. But Jenny, I would love to hear from you too on the impact on your family dynamics. Yeah, my children get to have about an hour's worth of screen time. And usually that is either a book narrated Mm -hmm. on my computer, Mm -hmm. downloaded from our public library, Mm -hmm. or an educational TV programming that's available uh, online. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of have that already in their mind that that the afternoons after their rest time, they get to have that hour's Mm -hmm. worth of... And that's not, not, you know, we don't have that every day, but they certainly look forward to it. And there are times in the beginning of the day that they're asking, well, when, when can we watch something or when can we do this? And I was like, we don't watch things at the beginning of the day. Like that's not, yeah. that's not part of our routine. Yeah. I can kind of see how it could be like an anticipation of something that they look forward to. Um, yeah. but usually when it doesn't happen for whatever reason, it's a mutual decision. Like the kids are like, Oh, okay. No, no big deal. We're doing something else. Mm -hmm. Um, rather than we didn't get our screen time, you know, and having this big meltdown. To add to that, it's been interesting to see over the years, how that, what you're talking about has shifted for our family. Because Mm -hmm. I remember when the kids were little that it was kind of like that. It was like, Oh, it happens sometimes. And then it doesn't happen sometimes. And Mm -hmm. Over the years, as their ages, as, as they've gotten older, and as this technology has just wiggled its way in mm-hmm. so much, yeah. mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I have a creative child who loves to create movies, videos, drawing, which that, that sounds great, right? Yeah. I mean, that's like, oh, wow. I can't believe you did that. I couldn't do that. Amazing. And it's so good in some ways. The issue I'm having as a mom with our family is how do you let them do the good things, but then not the other stuff, not the addictive stuff, but yeah. How do you let them do the creative stuff, but not get into that other world of like addiction mm-hmm. loaded stuff. Yeah. That's where I'm at right now. Cause it, it sneaks in. And if you say yes, at some point you open the door. Yeah. And so what I'm understanding now, I'm a little bit trying to get the snake back in the can, if you will, you know, because <laughs> it was out. Yeah. And one of the ways that I deal with that is just by having hard and fast time limits on things. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't, you don't get longer than this amount of time on XYZ, you know, screen device. That's how I deal with it. So it's like, if you want to be creative, I mean, there's only so much you can do in an hour, right? Like, and we have several children and one computer that's available. So it's kind of like, well, if, you know, turns comes in to play, taking turns and each person having like, 
when my kids get old enough to do those sorts of things, then I feel like that comes into play a time limit and taking turns and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I'm the parent that's like, first and foremost, like, I want you to learn how to build things with your hands before you build things with technology, because I just feel like that's going to come really fast when just by the way that kids learn, mm-hmm. they learn mm-hmm. so quickly and screens are very intuitive. Right. I mean, you know how like kids can unlock iPhones without like really knowing yeah. what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Like they, they just pick up on that stuff really fast. So I'm not really worried about yeah. not exposing them mm-hmm. yeah. too soon. Like I feel like when that, when the time comes, they're going to have no problem and they're not going to be left behind by their peers. Yeah. That's a huge conversation to have right there because I feel like the culture is saying, yeah. you better get them on their screens. Yeah. You better get them prepared. And I think I know intuitively that they're going to be fine. Yeah. Like my goodness, yeah. who takes mm-hmm. typing anymore? Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> right. I've got it. Yeah. One of the things we did um, when my oldest was entering kindergarten age, they hadn't really had access to screens other than television up until that point. And when we decided to homeschool and I was teaching her how to read and how to write that I would not allow her time on the computer typing until she was writing fluidly. And Mm -hmm. she did watch TV, plenty of it, (laughs) probably more than I would like to admit. But as far as her manipulating the technology herself, I just wanted her to have an understanding of this is how we write and this is how we read. And this is um, just some of those skills kind of built in before she had some extra privileges to explore that on her own. And Mm -hmm. I was also going to say from a couple comments ago that for me, a deal breaker at our house is if somebody acts like they are entitled to anything related to a space, it is out Mm -hmm. there for the day, sometimes the week. And I just think entitlement (laughs) is something that I squash very quickly at my house. If they're going to begin diminishing our relationship based on their attitude and behavior towards me about, well, I didn't get this and I didn't get that. And you said, I mean, even if I did say, I still don't put up with that. (laughs) Just like, well, we'll change the attitude before we're going to give that a try. And um, exactly. So entitlement is something that I just think has to be acknowledged and dealt with with kids. Otherwise, it only gets worse when they have more capabilities as they get older. Yeah. As you say that, I'm, I'm literally sitting here going like, oh, OK. <laughs> like as I'm sitting here and you're saying that, I'm like, oh, yeah, entitlement. And I've got to have my radar out for that. You know, like that's really important. You are not entitled to a screen whenever you want it. And there's also a mom that I learned from, not about screens specifically, but she had shared with me. She's a mother of six children who are all grown now. And she had just shared with me about how much time and energy she put into helping her children cultivate a teachable heart, uh, an attitude that was willing to just hear and do what needed to be done. And it's not an easy thing to do because I've been trying to do this for years and I'm not always seeing the results that I want. But I do think focusing on a child's attitude and helping them really have a willing heart to help or or to take an answer. If you say we're not going to do that right now, that they can receive that and just move on from it. Um, I also look at that in the context of screen time, if they are really being compliant and helpful and listening and all that stuff, then I make more space for them to do 
these activities that they want to do. Right. Because you're establishing it as a privilege Mm -hmm. and really Mm -hmm. making that clear that it isn't just a thing you get to do Mm -hmm. whenever you want to, but it is a privilege Mm -hmm. like all, like lots of other things in life. And I really like what you also said about having your kid sort of master quote unquote master the analog Mm -hmm. version of what what you're doing on the screen. I, I totally agree with that. And that's something that we do in our household mm-hmm. very much. It's like, if you want to draw, here's a pencil. <laughs> so true. I wanted to bring up a question about how do you balance your own screen use mm-hmm. with that of your kids? What does that look like for you guys? I think it's hard to, I mean, it's a personal, it's a personal question, right? Like whatever I feel convicted that I'm spending too much time on my mm-hmm. screen. I have to reconcile those feelings and and try to understand what are my goals using these screens. And if Mm -hmm. I am, if I'm spending too much time on it, like, like scrolling or kind of mindless activity, then I need to check myself and turn my screen off and go and get down on my knees with my children Mm -hmm. and play with them. Because that to me in my, in my head Mm -hmm. is the most important thing that I'm supposed to be doing as a mother. And I have all of these other things that are meaningful to me and valuable to me that are important as well. But while I am spending my, my days tending after their needs, then I feel like I need to be really investing in them Hmm. and not be distracted. A few of the things that come to mind for me is really that screens are a tool and we can use them as a tool where there might be something intentional that we are doing that, has a purpose and is important or screens can be used as a pacifier to just keep kids occupied and out of our hair, which we all have to do Uh at times for different reasons. But I just think for me, as I consider my own screen use, there is very little that I do on a screen at this point that isn't for a purpose. And because I can identify that purpose and I also really try to keep tabs on Is my screen use coming at a detriment to my family or my relationships in my family? And if it's not, then I don't feel bad about it at all because this is Mm -hmm. something that I am proactively investing in the lives of others through writing, podcasting, kindred mom. (laughs) And I'm also, it's very enriching for me to do that as well. And my kids have all at different times when I had my photography business open, they're like, we want to be photographers. I'm like, of course you do. Cause you see me doing this. And they're like, can you teach me how to do that? And I do, I teach them the programs that I'm using. I have one child that's in a Photoshop class right now and she is loving it. And so she's telling me about the tool that she learned how to use and she's like, do you know how to do this, mom? I'm like, yes, I do. Let me show you what I'm doing, you know, and it's kind of something that Mm -hmm. bonds us together because it's a shared experience at that point and has a purpose. I mean, that's to me what a tool is, is it's allowing you to accomplish something that you set out to do. I think that there are times and there have been seasons where screen use for me personally has has been at a detriment to my family where I'm so sucked into something or maybe I don't want to deal with the chaos that is my life and I'm just scrolling and Facebooking and whatever I might be doing. And I do think that that needs a a heart check from time to time because, you know, that Mm -hmm. is a pacifier that's not really adding to anyone's life in a productive way. And so Mm -hmm. on the tools 
versus a pacifier babysitter thing. Um, I just would like to know from you what you think it looks like to be intentional about screen use in your home. Screen use in my home is is really like if it's educational, mm-hmm. then it then it's got a, a pass yeah. for me within within our, you know, allotted time frame. That's where we're at right now. As far as um, my kids mm-hmm. age and development, um, that that to me is kind of the limit. We're not doing anything creative on screens. Mm-hmm. As I've got preschoolers and I just don't see the need for that. My personal use, if I feel like I need to be spending more time with my kids, I'd much rather them see me reading a book Mm -hmm. or reading something because it's so hard Mm -hmm. when I, when I think about what my kids see me doing with the screen and it's usually on my smartphone, I don't want them to just be like, mom's always looking at her smartphone. Mm -hmm. I ideally would like them to be like, oh, my mom's reading a book. Like Mm -hmm. that's really cool. Like it's a physical book or like when I have writing ideas or something like that, and I'm not like actively crafting an essay or I'm just generating ideas mm-hmm. or something. I like to have my notebook open with a pen and they can see me writing. Like they're seeing me do mm-hmm. these analog activities mm-hmm. that correlate. And I, I want them to see me actually doing a, a skill that I want them to learn. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Over here, I just feel like we have to have lots of boundaries. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way that we... That's the way that I'm intentional about screen use. Yeah. Um, so we actually have the circle by Disney, mm-hmm. which is a content filter kind of thing. Um, but it also has time limits and you can schedule off times and stuff so that my kids can't necessarily just go on the TV whenever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, we have times where they can do that. And the internet wouldn't work to the TV at certain times because I've said it beforehand. Um, I have found that to be really, really helpful. Yeah. Uh, and then in terms of the iPads, I have to check their iPads all the time. I mean, yeah. they, they can't download apps. They can't, they, they can't buy things. Um, mm-hmm. And I also, you know, they have to come to me if they want to try something new and I have to look at the app and the rating and all this stuff yeah. or try it out myself. Um, yeah. It's, it's a lot to stay on top of, yeah. you know, it, it really, it really is. And when I hear for me, like if I hear gunshots or something <laughs> coming from an iPad, I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> My mama bear kind of comes out and I'm like, where'd you get that? How'd you get that? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to talk about the power of story. This is kind of what I was thinking about as we came into recording this episode, just the power of story and how strong the visual things that we see are in our own minds and how the stories that children see through whatever games or websites or programs or movies that there are a lot of um, things that we just never forget once we've seen it (laughs) and um, just how information is absorbed by kids and they they learn social cues and norms from what they watch and how just even a thought or one picture or one show that they've seen can really have a lot of bearing in the beliefs and the the Um. ideas that they end up thinking about for hours or days afterwards. And so um, I just kind of wanted to contrast that with how reading books is different from screen time, not to vilify screen time, but I just think that there is something about screen time where it's just possible to have that become a very passively accepted, whatever you watch 
just kind of, you know, is absorbed in a child's thought process. And um, I just think watching a program can be family building. It can be a tool that springboards into conversation and be a shared experience by a family. But that just kind of takes some hands on doing by parents Mm -hmm. to be involved. And I think I have struggled in the past with just most of the time my kids even watch Pixar films two or three or four times before I see them because there's not a time that I sit down that is like, let's watch a movie, the whole movie, because I may be up tending to a toddler or putting someone to bed or I don't know. I just never see the movies when I do. But I'd love to talk about just the power of story in a child's life and how maybe overuse of screens or not really thoughtfully chosen or intentionally chosen programs can affect them? Well, I know that for my kids, I, you know, we, we download books from our library and they have a, um, a feature where it will narrate the book for you, um, and have the pictures up on the screen and they're super tiny on my laptop, but the (laughs) the the kids haven't complained yet that they can't see the pictures. Um, but I'll never forget the time that just made me so excited that my kids weren't just interested in the things that they were watching live action or animated action in a, in a television program when they would act out a scene from Mm -hmm. this particular book that Mm -hmm. they really liked. And Mm -hmm. each, each child would personify a different character and they'd play out this whole scene and they had memorized, they had memorized the words Mm -hmm. from the book and for me, it was just like, oh, this is so cool. My kids are like being characters that they learned about in a book. Like that to me is really cool. And granted that book was narrated by the computer, but it was was still them reading a story or having a story read to them. It's still sparking their imaginations. Yes. And that's, that's the, the thing that I've noticed in my careful choice of what I will allow them to see. Mm-hmm. And I think also with the duration with which they're, they're able to have access to those things because it's not a constant, yeah. it fuels their imagination for like the rest of the day, the rest of the week. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. like hearing about my kids like to watch Bill Nye, the science guy <laughs> on Netflix, which is like old school. I watched that when I was a kid. And, yeah. and so it's a little bit for me, but, yeah. um, they, they'll like talk about different things that they see on that show. And like, that's like their favorite thing for months. And Mm -hmm. for me, it's just really cool because that's building their confidence and being able to understand how the world works and different, you know, different concepts, scientific concepts and that kind of stuff. And so I feel really good about them watching that kind of programming. One of the stories I wanted to share is that when my oldest was seven, I think she was watching a show about horses. And I think horses, horses are great. My daughter loves horses. Um, But she said something to me a little bit after we had turned off the TV about how she really wanted to slim down. And I was like, my eyebrows went way up. I was like, what? What did you say? And she's like, oh, well, I think I should probably just slim down some to be a little more healthy. And I was thinking... I am not okay with this, like that this very innocent kids program that she'd watched a lot of times. It wasn't just like 
we just randomly picked it that day, had something that made her really, I mean, this had just entered out of nowhere. And for me, that was a wake up call to just be a little bit more aware of what it is that is the content of what they're Mm -hmm. watching, because it just made me sad. You know, she's seven. She was already slender, already healthy. And just that idea planted in so seemingly innocently, which Mm -hmm. just isn't. It's yucky. It's gross Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. these ideas are being peddled to our kids and just seeing how much access corporate advertisers and people who don't have our children's best interests at heart. Not all, not all of them are terrible, but some of the programming out there is terrible. It really is just not (laughs) filling their souls or nourishing who they are as a person. And so I just have been thinking about my choices for my family, really wanting to bring them nourishing programming that sparks their curiosity and creativity, grows them in knowledge, isn't a passive just consumption of media. And I don't really feel like anybody needs to defend their choices of their programs that they allow their kids to watch. But just in the quiet of your own heart, consider before you flip it on or before you let them flip it on, is this something that is adding value to their lives or not? Mm -hmm. And if it's not, there are lots of other ways to keep kids occupied. I know because I have six kids at home all day. (laughs) So um, you get creative and it's not always easy, but I just, that's one reason why I wanted to mention the resource that we created together as a team, because I'm really excited about it. Um, mm-hmm. We had, we worked together to crowdsource and add our own ideas of things that our kids watch and do online, YouTube, websites um, that kind of pass the mom test for us. And mm-hmm. we are sending that out to our subscribers Um Pretty soon it will be something that people can get anytime they subscribe to Kindred Mom. But right now it's going out to our subscribers on a special day this week. And um, it's divided by age and has, I think there's 140 different resources. Um, So I'm really excited to share that with our audience. And I think we are running out of time here, so I need to stop talking. Um, you know me. Topic. It's really good to stop talking about. It really really is. Well, I appreciate you ladies sharing from your own experiences. And I hope that moms will at least not feel alone in this journey because I think we can get great ideas from our girlfriends. I think we can just talk about the ups and downs of the reality of screens in our lives. And just remember that as mamas, that we are empowered. We are in the gatekeeper's position, being able to decide for especially our younger kids who we can help them develop an internal filter and a perspective for what is fruitful for them to be watching or doing online and also just setting the difficult boundaries that we need to, to keep them moving in the right direction. So thanks so much for sharing guys. Yeah, it was great to be here. Absolutely. I'm really pleased to be introducing you to Christy Thomas, who is a mama, and I would love for her to tell us a little bit about herself and her family. How are you, Christy? I'm great. Thanks for asking. Um, uh, So I am a mom. I have three boys. Their Mm -hmm. ages, oh, they just had birthdays last week. So they're nine, six, and four. Mm -hmm. 
So, and they're pretty fantastic and a handful and I love them a lot. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah, boys are fun and I have three of them myself. <laughs> so <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I'm really glad to have you on today because we are beginning a conversation just talking about the role of screens in the home. And this is an area that I think can be a little bit sensitive for people. So I guess I just want to open up with my heart in this conversation is really not to be judgmental of anyone and their choices, but to just talk honestly about the challenges of having screens in our lives, which we didn't have at this level or capacity when we were kids. And it's a new parenting challenge that I think we should talk about more and do so in a less taboo sort of way. So I'd love for you to just share a little bit about your heart and vision and the role that screens play in your own family. Yeah, we we really enjoy screens and mm-hmm. hate them at the same time. There is yeah. we definitely I think like with any other family we try to balance the good and the bad and the ugly and the beautiful mm-hmm. and we're trying to figure out how to make that work for our kids and how to set boundaries but let them also figure things out so that in the long term they have the skills that they need in order to live in a tech-based world mm-hmm. without having it boss them around. We don't want our kids to be owned by their technology. We want them to use it for good. So uh, my husband works for the school board and he does a lot of technology training. And and so he sees a lot of the really good aspects of technology. So he's, he has really helped a lot in, in our conversations. Sometimes I can be a little fear-based and he's like, no, no, look at this amazing thing that I created with this 3d printer, which I've made 10 years ago, or look what we can do with this program or Mm -hmm. there's there's lots of fantastic things. And we're trying to navigate how to, how to find the good and how to, well, none of it's really horrible. Some of it's horrible, I suppose, but we're trying to, yeah, just find that balance. Yeah. Yeah. We are a more tech oriented family than some just because my husband also works in the tech industry. And so sometimes I feel like, are we overboard because we have all these different gadgets and my kids are learning how to program and some different things that are just not necessarily what I see every family doing. And at the same time, I see it brings a lot of goodness to our family as well. So I'm kind of right there with you in trying to decide how much is too much and what types of technology and screen-oriented activities are a blessing to our family and then how do we rein it in? I think that there is a lot of terrible stuff out there on the internet that at least younger children can get themselves into without even knowing. And I guess I just wanted to talk with you about the way that you guys as a family approach just conversations with your kids to prepare them for what they may encounter or how you go about protecting them from landing on content that you don't want them to see. Yeah, that's a huge deal. Hey, like there, there is a lot of really nasty stuff. You're right. Uh, well, one thing that we have done, obviously, is some external filtering, like turning on Google Safe Search and turning on the safe searching in YouTube and mm-hmm. always making sure that we're around. But you can't always count on external filters to be around your child. Sometimes yeah. external filters fail. And yeah. so I think that it's been really important for us to have open conversations with our kids. Um, we have uh, read through a book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures with our kids. And we, we mm-hmm. read it with our eldest when he was in first grade. And then we just read it with our middle child now because he's also starting to use books and stuff at school. So, and it's really just opened up the conversation about what kind of thing should you not see and why should you not see it? And that's because 
because of the way our brains are wired. And so we talk kind of about the science behind it and not in a fear-based way, but just Mm -hmm. let's just be smart and let's train our brains well. Yeah, I think that's a really good conversation to have with kids. And sometimes I think moms are surprised by how young it is fruitful to talk about that, especially when you're talking about first grade. To me, like I think first grade and I think so little, (laughs) you know, they're just little (laughs) sweet beings. They just came out of kindergarten and they're spunky and excited about the world and that kind of thing. And yeah, it is really important to start those conversations early because there's a lot that we're not always there to guide them through if they are going to a school or at a friend's house and those kinds of situations. And I think the internal filter, you talked about this with me previously, and I'd love to talk a little bit more about what an internal filter is and how you cultivate that with your kids and teach them about their ability to discern what is good and not good for them to view? Well, I think developing that internal filter is really just about having those conversations with your kids and starting earlier than you think. Like you were talking about, you know, first grade, they're so young and yet Mm -hmm. that's exactly when they're starting to branch out a little bit. It's a long process of developing wisdom, right? Nobody Mm -hmm. ever develops wisdom overnight. So having those conversations and, and making sure that they know that you're safe to talk to. So when our son came home from school and said, mommy, I saw this picture and it said something about, are your, come see our girls, our girls are pretty. And he reported it to his teacher. And then he told us about it a couple of days later. Mm-hmm. And I was really proud of him, even though I wanted to be like, ah, you saw what? But yeah. it really reined it in. Your imagination sure starts going. <laughs> exactly. So I just really tried not to react too much mm-hmm. and just... Yeah let him know that this is a safe place and we can have this conversation. And we just really patted him on the back, like way overboard. We just yeah. said, wow, we are so proud of you for telling us and for telling mm-hmm. your teacher and for closing the Chromebook. You mm-hmm. did the right thing. And I think just every little time they do the right thing, just rewarding that yeah. over and over and over again. And eventually they learn that this is this is the right thing to do. Yeah. And I think just having those conversations, I have a science degree, so I really like talking to my kids about scientific stuff and Mm -hmm. those things in the brain. And, and so that the book that we read, good pictures, bad pictures, it talks about your thinking brain and your feeling brain. So we Mm -hmm. had a conversation about what your feeling brain, it, it really just wants to do things that make it feel good. And your thinking brain has to take over and it has to be the boss. And it has to say, Hey, feeling brain, I'm the boss Mm -hmm. here. I'm in charge Mm -hmm. and that's not good for you. So we've even just brought that into other everyday life too. You want to have all that extra candy. Well, hey, that's your feeling brain talking. So we just have brought that sense of self-control, I think, into other conversations in our lives too. So it just kind of feels like a natural extension. Yeah, that's such a good thought. And it reminds me of something that I have done with my kids when they were a little bit younger. We started during bedtime, we would sit and go through some verses in Proverbs. And there is a lot of talk about wisdom and foolishness throughout Proverbs that I have found to be really fruitful to just introduce those terms to my kids and explain what they are. And you mentioned helping them develop wisdom in this area. I think just developing an awareness of what wisdom is, that word, and being able to discern the difference between something that would be a fruitful choice for them and something that would be a foolish choice for them. We started that with my kids when I had my oldest three were probably four, six, and eight or so. And 
I don't know what prompted me to start it. Honestly, <laughs> we were just, I was trying to find creative ways to just spend time in God's word with them. And I just opened it up and we just started where I would go line by line through those verses and whatever line that I read out, I would first read it straight from the Bible and then kind of paraphrase it or explain it more um, in a way that I thought they might be able to understand. And then they would ask me questions about things that they didn't understand. We just talk about it more. I think that has been probably one of the smartest things I've ever done as a parent. <laughs> that is very smart. It's allowed us to actually extend that understanding of the terminology in so many different areas. Yes. Um, being able to talk about, well, is that wisdom? And I just turn that question on them a lot. Is that a wise choice? Mm-hmm. And having them really process that for themselves, even when they're young, and I'm not necessarily leaving them to make big decisions on their own, but I am giving them opportunities to kind of wrestle with things and tell me what they think. And this is one of those topics. I think it really fits being able to, I just, I know for some kids, they don't necessarily know what wisdom is or means, even if they're trying their best to do their best in whatever (laughs) they're navigating. But I would love to know um, a little bit more about, I know that you do work with children and I know that you are an author of children's books and I would love for you to tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I do work with children while I have my children at home. (laughs) So I suppose Mm -hmm. that's my primary audience. And I also work part-time at our church. I've Mm -hmm. been there for the past 12 years as the director of children's ministries. Mm -hmm. So I plan curriculum and implement it and recruit volunteers and Mm -hmm. I think sometimes teach parent classes. And we did a class on this topic last year and it was quite interesting for me as I was doing research for it. And I write about cultivating authentic faith in the home on my website. Mm -hmm. And I have some children's picture books coming out and it feels like I'm a little bit eclectic. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's good. I think it's awesome to have a a number of different things that you love and are invested in. They're all kind of around faith and children though. So they're all kind of on the same passion. Yeah. I just thought you would be such a great guest because of your interaction with other families. And it's kind of interesting to see topics like this and how they impact more than just your own family, Mm -hmm. seeing that there are different challenges and different ways that people have to navigate this that affect you differently in different seasons. And I'm thinking of mamas who are maybe in a season of transition or they've just had a baby as one of our team members recently has, and they are utilizing screens a little bit more often just to get through the days and more of a survival mode kind of thing. And I'd love to just talk about kind of seeing screens as a tool, um, not necessarily as a a fallback or a default or something that you haven't really given a second thought to, but that we could think thoughtfully about these opportunities for our kids to be engaged with something. And maybe it's necessary, but that we can still be thoughtful about how we go about that. Uh, What are some ideas or thoughts you would give to moms who might be in that season where they're leaning on the technology a little bit more than they want to? (laughs) I've been in that season myself and Mm -hmm. I've had many days like that. And I try to just remember that there is grace (laughs) and I'm really Mm -hmm. excited that the TV has been there sometimes and it's not. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It has been really helpful on many days. Um, But I think there's a difference between passive consumption and active creation and active learning. So, so my child might be sitting and watching Paw Patrol. I don't know if Paw Patrol is a thing where you are, but it's (laughs) so he might be sitting and watching that. And for me, that's a 
passive consumption. For our family, we try to limit passive consumption to an hour a day, especially on school days. We have three days a week where they're not allowed to have any passive consumption. Like there's no Mm -hmm. TV or anything like that on three days a week on school Mm -hmm. weeks. And then for active creation though, for example, our nine-year-old, he just got this Lego make your own movie kit. Mm -hmm. And so he spent probably an entire day using my husband's iPad and creating these little stop animation videos. And we thought we're not going to stop this because he is creating something and he's learning how to do a new, he's learning a new skill. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with the way that he's using technology here. It's not sitting in front of a TV or a video game. And those things are not inherently bad either. But the question I have been using to figure out what is passive and what is maybe better for them is what is the fruit of this? So Mm -hmm. my eldest really liked to play Super Mario Galaxy for a while and Mm -hmm. he would get so frustrated and he was yelling at his brothers and he was throwing the remotes across the room. And so for us, that kind of went into the, you are not going to do this anymore because the fruit of that is that you develop a horrible attitude. You're treating your brothers horribly. So, but then things like something like Minecraft on certain days, it creates excellent fruit. The two older boys sit together and they create whole universes on Minecraft and they're cooperating and they're Mm -hmm. being creative. And so we still probably would limit that to an hour yeah. or something, but, um, cause there's other things they could be doing as well, but we, yeah, we don't uh, limit that quite as much as we would something that has mm-hmm. negative fruit. <laughs> yeah. And what I hear you saying is that there is a leadership aspect of how our kids are consuming screen time that we kind of have to be paying attention to Absolutely. how is this affecting you? And even if the program itself or the website itself is not bad, if it's causing problems with the child or with relationships in the family. I think it really has to be closely inspected. And for me, this is convicting because there are times when you just, you flip something on just to make zombies out of kids that are (laughs) running amok in the house, you know, and there's a place for that. But I, one of the things I'm really excited about, and it's not, I'm not sure when it will be available to our subscribers in relationship to when this (laughs) podcast airs, but um, our team is working on a resource that has almost a hundred. I don't know the exact number that we are at right now, screen time recommendations of things that we have found to be fruitful in some way for our families or are at least not, you know, kind of pointing them in the wrong direction as far as attitudes or (laughs) things like that. Um, Just screen time resources. So we have that list available ahead of time to decide, all right, I can choose something proactively that is kind of a learning-based show or something that they can create or a skill they can build uh, versus the very passive, just click through Netflix and find something. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So I think just the seeing that we have a role in this, that it's not just a passive thing on our side as a parent, I think is a really big deal because I know it's just the fallback and default side is so easy to just go to what's convenient. But that if we just think about it a little bit ahead of time, I think that we can make a choice on purpose that we are satisfied with in the long run. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to remember that our kids have undeveloped brains and they rely on us to be the mature one in the relationships. So I read something the other day and this blogger was talking about just letting her children have as much screen time as they wanted and that they would learn to self-regulate and didn't 
I maybe agree on it in some respects, like with this yeah. um, Lego creator where he was doing the stop animation thing, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure with when we're just passively sitting there, if we ever really learn to self-regulate, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've yeah. had days where I, I sit yeah. or evenings where I just sit and watch like eight shows, yeah. episodes of Lost in a row or something. So we can't yeah. expect them to, <laughs> to act beyond their maturity just because they've grown up with technology doesn't mean they know how to use it appropriately. We still have to be the parents. I think that's true. I think that there is just some ways that having such access to screens, access to information, there's a lot of wonderful things kids can Mm. get involved with that involve technology. And then there's a lot of negative ways that it can impact the family. And one of the things that I have seen, and you mentioned this a little bit a few minutes ago, is just seeing the negative attitudes that develop from some games or shows um, Mm. and how really the morale of the whole family kind of tanks if one (laughs) child or all the children in some cases are just, they're kind of losing their minds and just not able to move on from their screen time in a productive way um, where they can treat other people with kindness. And so in the context of family dynamics, I'd love to know if there's anything you do in particular with your family, if your kids are kind of moving that direction that you have any tips or ideas that you could get everybody engaged in something new once the screen goes off, or if you have any ways of coping with that kind of meltdown that happens um, (laughs) when you're not expecting it. Sometimes you just have to deal with the meltdown. I think that one of my skills, I suppose, is just being able to distract kids. I know that's definitely one thing Mm -hmm. that I learned when I was working with younger kids is, you know, when they're Mm -hmm. going off or they're being naughty, as you might think really they just need a good distraction so I'm pretty good at okay guys let's let's try this now or how about we try and make mm-hmm. this so and then I'll ang- like actively engage with them for a few minutes and try and get them distracted and into something positive yeah. and then I might go and do my other thing but I probably won't stay with them for a long time but just I think just distraction and oh, just helping them to think about something else to refocus their minds I think that's a very biblical idea as well that we take mm-hmm. our thoughts captive and we we refocus because we all do that, right? We all get in a funk and we, yeah. we need help sometimes to get out of that. Yeah, I think that kids sometimes need us to be involved in a way that I sometimes just let them figure out what are you going to play now? What are you going to build mm-hmm. or what are you going to create? Or, um, you know, boredom is not a problem to <laughs> no. me. But I do know when you have multiple kids in a house, sometimes you really do have to direct them in their boredom a little yeah. bit um, <laughs> so that they don't turn on each other and end up, you know, just... I really want them to be building their relationships with each other as much as also doing something productive with their time. So I just think it can be a really fruitful thing to have a list of ideas of things that they can do if they're coming to you saying, I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> I'm always like, you can, <laughs> yes, you can clean the bathroom, you can read a book, you can, you know, just giving them ideas because sometimes I think they really don't know what to do. Mm. It's not just a, it's not only complaining. Sometimes they just, they are looking for some guidance and that's something that we can do. Mm. I would love to dig in a little bit more to how do you navigate when you have children of different ages choosing what programs or websites are appropriate when you have maybe a, an older child who's ready for a certain kind of 
activity online and a younger child that isn't? Do you have any particular ways you handle that in your house? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, sometimes we just make them each pick a show. <laughs> and our kids are yeah. kids like pretty tame things. Our eldest is quite sensitive. Like he would cry at mm-hmm. Curious George when he was younger because Curious George would get in trouble. So he hasn't really yeah. gotten into a lot of the shows probably that his peers are watching right now. And I'm quite happy right. with that. So I, maybe our family dynamic is a little different there. But yeah, so sometimes we just make them each, you each get to pick a 20 minute show. Uh, sometimes we do split them up as well so that the youngest can watch his Paw Patrol and the older two will play Minecraft together on the computer and then they'll switch halfway through their time and, and then mm-hmm. the other one will get to play and the other one will get to watch. Yeah, I think that's really good thoughts. And um, I just, I think that knowing that screens are here to stay, this isn't changing, no. that it is important for us to think about just um, what role do we want them to have in our home? And I have a couple friends who don't have TVs in their home, which I think is awesome. <laughs> and yet I'm like, how do you function without a television? <laughs> and I also have friends who are off social media as well as friends that are on social media. And I just think that this is a topic that we could just really be more gracious to mm-hmm. everyone about about whatever their choices might be, because it's something that I think I at moments have felt a bit of shame about utilizing screen time in a particular season. And I know several other people who have talked about like, oh, it's so terrible. My kids have been watching TV all day, you know, or whatever. (laughs) And I do think that while we try to be intentional about screens in our home, that at the same time, that this is a topic that is not really, it's not really necessary, I guess, to be so judgmental others or feel so ashamed ourselves unless there is something that we truly need to deal with because there's like shame and then there's conviction, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Where if if we've been having a little too much screen time and I know it and it's negatively affecting our family, just wanting to change course and make new choices going forward, that 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 change is something that I decide for my own family, not that someone else makes a comment, oh, well, do you think maybe you should (laughs) think... I want to know if you have um, any words for mamas who are looking for freedom from that sense of guilt uh, or shame or how they're using screens in their homes and or if you have thoughts about people who are wanting to make a change in the way things look currently um, with their routines and the way that they kind of adopt. I don't know. Some people have tablets and some people have um, what ideas do you have for people who are looking to make a change or get free from that sense of guilt? Well, I don't know if I'm entirely free from that sense of guilt myself, actually. (laughs) I turn on the TV for my four-year-old when on the days that I'm not at work, I turn on the TV for an hour for him, sometimes a little more, and just let him watch while I do the things that I need to do. And and sometimes I do feel a little bit guilty about it, but I try to let that guilt kind of turn into something positive where then then I'll go upstairs and I'll spend some time with him afterwards and (laughs) Um, I think maybe just talk to some other moms around you and see see what they're doing sometimes we just need to start talking to each other and stop assuming that every other mom is better than us and just Mm -hmm. start talking and saying look this is something that I want to change what are your ideas and sometimes we just get great ideas from each other like I'm sure that my next door neighbor has some great ideas for this and and I have some Mm -hmm. ideas and my friends have ideas and between all of us, we can hold each other accountable so that we're not letting it rule us, but also give each other great, mm-hmm. remind each other yeah. that 
this is not the be all and end all of the world. Yeah, <laughs> There's more to our families than just our screens. Yeah, I think it is good to talk about it because they also think sometimes screens start becoming like the go-to thing when we're just out of ideas for other things mm-hmm. to do. And the inspiration of seeing what other families are doing on a Saturday when they might be out doing a family walk or doing something fun that we haven't thought of doing with our families and that just... I think that's one beautiful thing about Instagram and people sharing their stuff on social media is I get so many ideas for, oh, I'd love to do that with my family. And it's something that I think if someone's wanting to make a change, I personally would really just start by setting some boundaries um, for yourself or for your screen time in your house, which for me has looked like there are certain days that we don't turn on the TV until like five o'clock and I'm making dinner and I absolutely have Mm -hmm. to be able to make dinner without people hanging on my legs. (laughs) And then there are certain parameters during the weekend where my husband and I discuss together and say, okay, well, the TV can be on from nine till 11 in the morning on Saturday while we're just kind of sleeping in a little bit and kind of catching up from the busyness of the week. And when we have set times that are boundaries themselves, I think it's easier to just realize, okay, we have the whole rest of the day to do lots of other things that are active or out of the house and go do fun things that are not us just sitting in front of a screen. (laughs) And um, so that's one practical way that we handle that here. We've, uh, We've done some pretty similar things on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Our kids don't have any screens when they get home because when they're in school, they, they do have some stuff that they're working on or they're I know our youngest is playing heyday at school for some reason, (laughs) but, uh, Mm -hmm. and then on Saturdays, we tried to go the route of having them have TV time in the morning. And we discovered that we got really lazy (laughs) and we just let them watch for hours and we just wouldn't get out of bed and then they were grouchy. So we've gone the the opposite Mm -hmm. way in our family that we've just, in in the summer, we actually had to make a list. These are the, some things that you need to have done before you get screen time. And there's never screen time before lunch in our house. So Hmm, they have to, get dressed and brush their teeth. They have to have some creative time. Our oldest has to practice piano. For a while, we were making them write in their little journals and that was just in the summer. And so mm-hmm. they, so this kind of is the same sort of thing that we do on Saturdays as well. They just know there's never screen time before lunch. And then sometimes you don't get to it until yeah. four. Sometimes it happens right at one o'clock and when they get yeah. to pick and they enjoy it and they have fun. And then they know that this is not yeah. all that our life entails. There's other things as well. Well, I love that. Well, thank you so much for your thoughts. I would love to know where people can find you online if they want to check out all the awesome things you have going on. Thanks. Yeah, you can find me on my website at christythomasrader.com. And I actually, Mm -hmm. for those of your listeners who would like to engage this topic through prayer, I've actually created Mm -hmm. a printable resource that I'm offering on my website. Uh, You can just Mm -hmm. go to christythomasrader.com slash kindredmom. Awesome. I'm so glad that you did that. I can't wait to check it out. And thanks so much for your time. No problem. Thanks for this conversation. It's been great.